0: Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the BT Focus podcast. We have our October ethics issue for you today uh, and I'm joined by two great guests. I'm joined by Uh, one of our supervising clinicians named Ashley, and one of our incredible behavior technicians named Catherine. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for having us. us. Absolutely. Well, I'm super excited about our topic today um, because I think this is like one of the most important, you could say, professional development skills within the field as a whole. And I think really an any helping profession where you're working with people. And we're going to be talking about the topic of feedback, um, which is actually pulled directly from our RBT ethics code. And it was selected based directly from feedback from the field where we've surveyed our supervising clinician, our BTs, and asked them, what ethical topics do you want to learn more about um, within our team meetings? And this was a resounding topic, the ability to effectively give and receive feedback. So before we go into our conversations, we're gonna talk about you know where and how does feedback go wrong? What are some tips and tricks when it comes to giving and receiving feedback? I want to hear first from both of you. So, so Ashley, from like a supervising clinician perspective, why is giving and receiving feedback important for your role specifically?
1: So for my role, giving and receiving feedback is how we make sure that we're doing the best for the kids. If as a supervising clinician, if I don't give feedback to my technicians, um, they're not gonna know my expectations for the client um, and we're not gonna be able to help that client grow together. Um, At the same time, I need to be able to receive that feedback both from the parents, the technicians, and then also from my um, supervising RCD. I need to make sure that I'm implementing everything that they wanna see as well um, and that I am supporting my technician in the way that they need support it.
0: Absolutely. Really well said. Catherine, how about from your perspective as a behavior technician, why and how is giving and receiving feedback important for your role specifically?
2: For my role, um, I believe that it's important because I need to ensure that I am doing what's best for the client um, and that I'm doing it um, correctly. (laughs) Um, I also need to make sure that uh, the feedback for me means that my supervisor is listening and paying attention to what I'm doing as well. Um, just like just to make sure that I have that support, if I feel that I am uncomfortable doing a certain program target um, or uh, running any programs, um, j- that just helps me understand like when she's when she gives feedback that I am um, doing things the way that it's supposed to be implemented.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think you both hit the nail on the head. This feedback is how we get better at what we do, right? Um, like it, from the most foundational level, right? We're we're providing um, some sort of feedback to help somebody improve on a task, um, with the ultimate goal of improving our services and leading to the best client outcomes. But I also want to recognize feedback. Can be challenging on, on a number of levels, and, and it I think is somewhat dependent on maybe our history with giving or receiving feedback. Um, so let's transition a bit to when feedback fails, <laughs> or what are some pitfalls that you've you've seen? Let me let's start first from the um, Spanish point of giving feedback. Ashley, to hear from you, what are some common barriers or areas where we can maybe come up short when we're giving feedback? What makes feedback ineffective when we're giving it?
1: I think when we lose sight of the humanity in the other person, we truly fail with our Mm. feedback. We need to make sure that we are coming um, to the table, recognizing that this is a person, they're always trying their best. I think they're not there to try to sabotage anything. They're not trying to do a terrible job. Um, so our feedback is really just there to encourage them to um, do a little bit better on those days when they're having a hard time or to maybe try something a little different.
0: Yeah, I think you hit a really important piece, which is when we're giving feedback, um, giving it from a place of empathy um, recognizing that, you know, as BCBAs, we were a behavior technician once, and we were brand new to the field at once. And so having that humility, I would even say, um, that when we're delivering feedback, Hey, I'm sharing some, this is a tactic I'll use sometimes. Can I tell you an area where I had trouble when I first started, right? This is, and that almost gives that person the permission to know that you're not attacking me. You are, pinpointing a behavior that you want to see improve, right. And so I think I think it maybe takes some of the sting that some people often will experience when they're receiving feedback because you know, maybe we talked about this before we started recording. maybe that staff that you're communicating with, maybe they've had negative experiences with receiving feedback in the past. And to your point, Ashley, maybe it was delivered in such a way where it was not given empathetically and it felt more like a criticism as opposed to something that would be helpful. So that's a very good point. Uh, Catherine, what do you think? What are some ways when we're giving feedback, what are some pitfalls or challenges that you've seen?
2: I think that some of the pitfalls I've seen is, um, not leading with positive feedback. I think that another area that I've seen with a uh, pitfall was giving feedback is sometimes not explaining why we're giving that, like not going into a um, deeper conversation about like why this feedback is needed or when we're told to do something a specific way. Of course, everybody has different opinions. And so I think that When you're giving it, it's okay to explain like why we're doing something when you're giving feedback.
0: You made two really great comments that I wanna elaborate on. Um, Feedback by default doesn't necessarily have to just be corrective feedback. I think oftentimes that's what comes to mind when you hear somebody say, hey, mind if I give you some feedback? It's like, okay, what did I do wrong? Feedback is not a, a a good or bad using using air quotes here a good or bad thing. It, it's just a delivery of some sort of verbal statement or some sort of um, commentary on performance, and that could be, hey, Catherine, you did a stellar job today working on those social skills programs with our clients. Like, to see how he or she lit up when they made that communication attempt with a peer, right? And when it comes to positive, we'll say, I'm using air quotes again, positive versus like corrective feedback, you hear different things in the literature of like, what ratio should you use? I've seen literature that says maintain at least a four to one ratio or an eight to one ratio or a 10 to one ratio of positive to corrective feedback. I think the general theme here is really important though, of make sure that you're pinpointing those desirable things that are occurring to see more of in the future while still recognizing the importance of corrective feedback as well. Um, because let me ask you both this question. What happens when we don't get feedback?
2: So when we don't get feedback, the fidelity of our work may not be done the right way. And for me, feedback is reinforcing. So when my supervisor corrects me or um, reinforces, like it just reinforces me that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, it also like reassures me and makes me feel good to just receive feedback because I know that you're like, you care about what it is that I'm doing and that the skill set that I'm trying to get to. So.
0: I would, I would totally agree with you. Um, sometimes, receiving nothing at all, people actually would prefer to have corrective feedback than nothing, right? Because that tells me that what I'm doing is important to you, you're paying attention to it. um, And the work that I do is valuable. And you said something else, Catherine, that I don't want to lose sight of as well, explaining the why behind a point of feedback, because that takes it from what you could say, like just rote compliance, like, do what I do, because I tell you to versus teaching for understanding, right? I'm going to teach you why, for example, we might not include a child's name when delivering an instruction because it's important that the child's name is paired with reinforcement and it's important for a skill generalization. And now you've just a light bulb moment has gone off and now I can apply that because I have more of an understanding. And it also comes to buy-in as well. Like, We're making this joint decision together, and now it's more of a constructive problem-solving session as opposed to criticism. Ashley, I want to hear from you. What happens when we don't give feedback?
1: People don't feel seen. I think just like you made that point, Mm. we want to make sure that our supervisors know that we're there, that they believe in what we're doing. I think when we're left without any sort of feedback, positive and negative, then it feels like we're on an island. And what we're doing doesn't matter. Um, Everybody wants to be better at what they're doing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, everyone wants to be seen. Everyone wants to be heard as well. And I think that it also points to that feedback should be bi-directional, right? It's not just a supervisor telling a supervisee, this is what you should be doing differently. very well and it should be the other way around too where the the supervisee the rbt is providing feedback and how a program is going going hey i'm noticing that when i'm running this program this way here's some of the challenges that i'm having right um, and a very healthy supervisee relationship has that bi-directional element to it as well so really great. I I love that piece of, you know, not losing sight of someone's humanity, being able to um, give feedback in a way that's empathetic, but then also recognizing that when we don't receive feedback, people don't grow, they don't feel seen, and that, um, you know, really that we're not reaching our fullest potential here. So really great points, both of you. Um, I want to touch on briefly just a few more areas where feedback fails. I think common mistake is just not giving it at all. um because let's be just very open and honest. I know that when you're giving feedback, that is a skill set in itself. Mm-hmm. It can often be very challenging to give a difficult message or to um, tell someone that maybe they're making an error, right? I know that for me when I was in grad school to become a BCBA, didn't get a whole lot of training on, on giving feedback. Right. And, and maybe that's evolved some in in coursework, but, um, giving feedback is hard. And I think that we fail when we allow that to not give feedback at all. Right. Um, so that's, I think the first one is common error of giving feedback is not giving it at all. Um, Another one is letting it pile up, you could say. So instead of giving feedback in the moment, we know with our learners that learning is more effective when that consequence is more immediate, right? So if I'm working with a staff and I'm noticing that something that's going really well in the moment, I want to pinpoint that really quickly where it's less effective is, hey, remember, like three weeks ago, you were, <laughs> we were working on that one program, and and now it's just, it's vague. You can't really draw a relationship between what happened, and so if we are not providing feedback in the moment, I think that that's also a way that we lose some of the efficacy. Um, you know, Ashley, do you have any comments that you want to make to any of those first two points?
1: Yeah, I think just like we talk about avoidant behaviors in our clients we as professionals also have avoidant behaviors and Man. giving feedback is so difficult. It's so stressful. Um so I think you're right. Like that is such a downfall. Um and we really just hinder ourselves and our technicians and then um, by default our clients as well when we don't give that feedback immediately, when we either letting it pile up because we've avoided it for so long and now instead of it being a little issue it is this humongous issue that we have to handle um so as things build up it just becomes more and more difficult and it becomes that gigantic elephant in the room
0: very well said absolutely um you know having those difficult conversations are really important and when we engage in that avoidant behavior it only becomes more difficult um and so I think it comes to a mindset shift, which is something we talked about before recording. Catherine, could you share what we were talking about in terms of that mindset when it comes to feedback and how that's been really impactful for you in your role? Yeah,
2: so um, receiving feedback can be challenging, too, because we want to go in with the mindset that this is to help me be better and grow in my skills. Also, like I said, for me, be reinforcing. Like this is this reassures me that what I'm doing is um, beneficial to the client, um, beneficial to the company. Um, and so, um, I think that if we go in with a mindset that it's not criticism, but it's actually to help us grow in our skill set, and just be mindful that no one's here to um, like blame you if you don't get it right the first time. We're just trying to help grow.
0: Yeah, completely. I think that mindset is everything. And you used a phrase earlier that I love that feedback is reinforcing for you. (laughs) Like that is the goal. Like that is the ultimate goal is that feedback will function as a reinforcer because Catherine, you're going to be unstoppable if you are taking the things that you're learning and you're applying them and you're constantly refining your skill set over time and and looking at feedback as a good thing. And it, hopefully even getting to the future state of not just receiving feedback when it comes, but eliciting feedback. Hey, can you give me some thoughts on how I'm doing this right now? So, so now you're even going a step further and being proactive and seeking the input from others voluntarily and electively so that like I said, you, you're just going to continue to grow and improve. Um, and what a benefit that is to you and all the people that you work around. Think about who benefits when you take that feedback, our families, our clients, they are receiving higher quality services because we're constantly improving. So I think mindset in this topic, but in life in general, mindset is everything. So adopting that growth mindset is, is huge. Um, Very good. All right. I'm jumping back and forth here. And this is just such a great conversation. I want to touch, talk on a couple more points of when feedback fails. Here's, I think is another pitfall. Um, when that feedback is unclear or there's not clear expectations. Um, or sometimes you don't even know that you, maybe you're the receiver and it's like, what just happened? I don't I don't know if I'm doing something right. I'm doing something wrong. It's not very clear. Have either of you watched the show Parks and Recreation? Parks and Rec? Yes. Okay. I got one in the audience. Hopefully there's like <laughs> two people who listen that watch Parks and Rec. Anyway, there's a character on the show. His name's Chris Traeger. He's just like super positive, upbeat guy. He's played by Rob Lowe. And he's just so happy that like, I think there was a scene in the show where he was breaking up with someone. And they didn't even know that they were broken up with because he was just so, so positive and unclear in his messaging. (laughs) I think like a parallel to that could be with the feedback where we're not giving a clear signal that there's something that needs to be changed or improved. And another important thing is what's the next step, right? So like, I'm noticing that this is happening in the future. I want to see X because, and following that up with a rationale behind it as well. So when we're not giving clear expectations or if we're not really providing clear messages, I think the lines get blurred and it has a less than favorable effect. So do you have any experiences with that, Ashley, as a giver or receiver when it comes to expectations?
1: Oh, most definitely. Um, As we were just talking about it, (laughs) sometimes it's really hard to give feedback. And so we want to just put a really, really positive spin on everything. And when it is time for that corrective feedback, like you were saying, it's so much better to just be like forthcoming with it. And maybe even just preface it with like, yes, you're doing a really awesome job in these areas. There's this one that I just want to talk about. And giving them the encouragement there to um, maybe try something different.
0: You just like transition into a a concept that when it was introduced to me kind of blew my mind because we look at ways that we talk about feedback, just like, in the you know, popular media and what you might've heard along the way of like, how many of you have ever heard of the sandwich method, right? So you, you start off with a positive statement, then you provide that corrective statement, but end with a positive, right? And what the speaker relayed, which I thought was so spot on from a behavior analytic perspective is while that is often more comfortable for the giver, of the feedback, right? Like I'm starting it off with something positive. It kind of softens the blow, makes it a little bit easier for me to give this tough news. What ultimately ends up happening if this is done over and over again, is that feedback starts to lose its effectiveness because that praise statement for the receiver starts to signal, oh, He's telling me that I'm doing something right. Wait for it. He's going to let me know what I'm doing wrong right now. So the praise statement starts to lose its effectiveness. But then the corrective feedback also starts to get blurred, right? So, like, hold on, am I doing something right or wrong? You're telling me that I'm doing something really well, but there's this message kind of hidden in between that. So both of them start to lose its efficacy. So, what this speaker advocated for. Which I agree with is when we're providing praise statements, positive feedback, provide it authentically and wholeheartedly in the moment as often as possible, right? But when we're providing corrective feedback, also make that clear and be direct with it while also being empathetic. So, for example, hey, can I share some thoughts with you about the program that we're running, right? And that tells the listener, oh, okay, some comments are coming um, that I can attend to. So making it very clear and tying it to the expectations, I think is really helpful. So um, yeah, the sandwich method, while it's it's maybe comfortable to give, maybe less than optimal when it comes to actually having impact. I thought that was a really interesting perspective. So here's maybe one more pitfall when it comes to giving feedback is when the speaker is the only one doing the talking, right? And we're not taking the time to listen. Um, I think this is so important from a number of reasons, but I want to hear from both of you. What What happens when that feedback becomes one directional? What are the problems that arise um, for you, Ashley?
1: Yeah, when feedback turns into a monologue, it um, is easy to just kind of glaze over and be done with it. Um, I think that at least as the receiver of that feedback, um, if you're the person giving that feedback and you're not receiving any sort of um, like affirmation that the other person is receiving the feedback or understanding it the way that you're presenting it, um, it's easy to just kind of write it off. Maybe (laughs) say, well, I checked this one on my list. Um, I gave the feedback. I don't know kind of where they went with it, but it's done or, um, kind of leaves you maybe rambling even more trying to (laughs) figure out, okay, do you understand me? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Um, am I making myself clear? Yeah,
0: (laughs) I agree with you. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Catherine? Like what happens when feedback becomes too one directional?
2: Yeah. Like just to piggyback a little bit off of what Ashley said, um, I'm sure for the giver, it feels like, are you understanding me? Um, is this clear? Do you need any assistance? And as the receiver, if you're trying to like really focus on what, with the task that's at hand, you're probably not receiving if you're not giving any feedback. For me, I try to reassure like, Hey, yeah, I understand what that makes sense. Um, so just to give the, the giver um, of the feedback and understanding, like, I understand what you're saying. Um, if I need if I have more questions, here's the questions that I have about that or I'm not understanding what you're saying. Can you elaborate? Um, I think that it's important to have that uh, dual conversation um, so that everyone leaves with the understanding that the feedback was received. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think that ensuring that our audience has received that feedback and it's been effective, that only works if you're listening as well, right? Um, And so you're asking those follow-up questions and you are working to ensure that the message has been received, I think is so critical. So. Great. Well, we've talked about a lot about all the ways that feedback fails <laughs> or things that can go wrong. I want to end on a positive note and talk about a couple of pro tips when it comes to giving and receiving feedback. I'll share a couple then I wanna hear from both of you. Um, I think first, when it comes to giving and receiving feedback, I think time and place are really important. I think that oftentimes when you're giving feedback in a public setting, that can be a situation that might be uncomfortable a lot of the times for that receiver, right? So making sure that you're in a appropriate environment, a, a safe space where you can speak and also listen in return is huge. Um, I think we talked a lot about the importance of positive feedback being a core element of it. But when you are giving corrective feedback, doing it in a way that's kind and empathetic, but also direct and clear with clear expectations, also with an understanding of why we are recommending a certain procedure or practice and leaving time for follow-up questions as well. Those are a couple of things from my perspective. Um, But Ashley, I want to hear from you. What is maybe one feedback pro tip from your practice that you really look to incorporate?
1: Sure. Um, One thing that I really like to do to set myself up to be successful when I'm trying to deliver that feedback is just to take a couple of deep breaths and kind of focus myself um, because it is so stressful and I tend to um, kind of work myself up and get a little panicked before giving any sort of corrective feedback that I just want to make sure that I'm calm so that that energy transfers well to the person that I'm giving the feedback to. Um, I don't want them to get overly anxious about the feedback because um, like we've been talking about, it's just to make them better. It's not a punishment. It's not supposed to elicit negative feelings. It's just to make them be a better technician. So that's that's on my end, the giving end. Um, <laughs>
0: feedback yeah,
1: receiving is probably wonderful. the same. <laughs> Take a deep breath and yeah. um, be ready for it. It's not a bad thing.
0: Absolutely. And we talk so much about that, that mindset being everything. And that's something that I will constantly remi- remind myself as well um, when it comes to receiving feedback. Catherine, what about you? What is maybe one pro tip from your perspective as a behavior technician that has made feedback effective for you?
2: Supervision for me used to be really scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I felt like I was put on the spot sometimes. Um, so definitely time and place. Um, but also that's for the giver. But for as a receiver, now I have a really awesome supervisor. <laughs> um, so, like for me, it's not scary. It's just that mindset. When I'm going into any sessions, I just feel like she's really helpful in building my skill set. And so it's that mindset, you know, like, hey, we're going into this with any feedback that I'm given by my supervisor is to help me build my skill set and to Also just make me a better person and a better supervisee just so that our sessions and our client can benefit, but also our sessions can run smoothly. Like when we're receiving feedback, we need to go in with a mindset that this is to help this client as well as myself.
0: Excellent. Well, just to kind of like tie these things all together, I think what's really fun and exciting is we were talking a bit before the show, Catherine, that you're in the process of becoming a BCBA yourself. So I think maintaining that awareness of what it's like to be both the giver and receiver of feedback, I know that it's just going to make you an incredible supervisor in the future as well. So that's really exciting. Well, what a great conversation. Uh, I know we could continue to go at length. There's so much to unpack with this topic, but I hope we've provided you with a couple of really tangible tips that you can apply to your practice to make giving and receiving feedback just a little bit easier so that we can all improve together and provide even more exceptional services. So, Ashley and Catherine, it was such a pleasure chatting with you both this morning, and thanks so much for your time. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
0: Hi, BT Focus listeners. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Now we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at our Google Voice account at 248-215-2464. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or questions, you may even hear them on the air. Or drop us a message at btfocus at centriahealthcare.com. Until next time.